This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com. It was a very busy week for Baylor Athletics with spring sports winning some championships in some cases, postseason starting, and a record-breaking NFL draft for Baylor football. Six draft picks, 11 players signing either uh, pick deals or undrafted free agent deals by the end of the weekend. And uh, that is a number that was uh, pretty awesome to see. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft and where guys landed and spring sports and much more throughout this episode. I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim 365 radio host, joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer, uh, Sikkim 365 director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter and Uh, We've got a lot to get to, but Grayson, uh, it was one heck of an NFL draft weekend for Baylor football. Yeah, I mean, how cool was that? I mean, they just, they did a terrific job. Um, It was just really fun to see that, and it just really showed how far Baylor's come, right, as far as trust with NFL GMs. I mean, back in the day, you know, it just felt like even their really good players, you know, some of them didn't get drafted, whereas in this draft, it was like very consistently... These guys are getting drafted. Not only only are these guys getting drafted, uh, teams are trading up in some cases to get these guys like Tyquan Thornton, who we're going to talk about. But I just thought it was such an amazing event for Baylor, amazing event for the brand, um, and an amazing event for all of those guys, all the guys who have played at Baylor in the past, and for Dave Rand and the staff. I mean, uh, just kudos to them, you know, for building these guys, developing them, and, and you know, credit to everyone who who's molded these guys. But um, it just was a fantastic event, I think, for for Baylor Nation as a whole. Yeah, a lot of people deserve credit, not just one or yeah. a couple people, a whole lot of people, past and present, do. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was an awesome weekend. Uh, like we said, it was uh, record-breaking, six picks. Uh, you may think, oh, well, that happened just a few years ago. But uh, as has been probably pointed out um, to most at this point, uh, Rico Gathers was not a Baylor football player. So when they had six players uh, just a handful of years ago, uh, it matched that total, but it was six actual football players, not five football players and a basketball player like it was uh, back in, what was that, 2016-ish, yeah. I think, uh, was when they had that amount. And then, of course, last year, uh, just William Bradley King late in the draft. So we knew this was going to be a big event, and that's why we've been talking about it uh, so much and why I've been writing about it so much. And, uh, you know, it ended up being even better than expected, which was pretty awesome. You know, you thought the best case scenario, maybe a Jalen Petrie could sneak into the first round, and that did not happen. Uh, but it did not take long into the second round for him to get selected. So uh, let's just run this down, uh, you know, the guys who went and just kind of briefly uh, discuss, uh, you know, where they went and uh, all that comes with that. So uh, starting things off, I mean, it was that first round, and I think the first round definitely uh, had an effect on any Jalen Petrie first-round buzz because you had, you know, all of a sudden the Eagles are trading for, you know, A.J. Brown, and then you've got uh, Marquise Brown on the move, and uh, those were just trades happening, much less the fact that the trades were happening, receivers are getting swapped, and then 
receivers are getting picked, that would come back to help Tyquan Thornton immensely mm -hmm. uh, and where he ended up. But it probably pushed Jalen uh, Petrie out of the first round. Uh, but still, again, he did not have to wait very long. Uh, the lone commit, as he was known or is known, uh, goes round two. Pick number 37 overall, and uh, 10 minutes away from his home is where he'll be playing. Uh, as we learned uh, when he got drafted, he was at the family home, I guess, and we learned that that was 10 minutes away from NRG Stadium, home of the Houston Texans, and uh, that is his new team, Jalen Petrie, joining Lovey Smith and company. Uh, so your thoughts? Uh, I think it's as good of a fit as he could have wanted. Uh, Lovey Smith loves players from Texas, uh, but he loves defense. And uh, he loves, you know, he has thorough history with the Tampa 2 defense. So, uh, you know, I think all things considered and where they are, they're not Super Bowl contenders. They re they're rebuilding. So they're just trying to put blocks together. And I think Jalen Petrie is a pretty good foundational piece for them. Yeah, and I mean, he'll get to come in and play right away, I, I feel like, for that team. They're definitely going to want to see what they have with Jalen Petrie, what he's going to excel at, what he can do really well. And I'm so curious to see what he does on an NFL field because, you know, what we saw last year was just something crazy, something special, what he put on film. And I think he's going to be a very nice player for them. He's definitely going to come in and be a culture guy as well, uh, which for a young team is extremely important and extremely underrated because um, some teams in the NFL, man, they just they build things the wrong way uh, with the wrong guys. And I, I think with Petrie, they're getting a great guy who's going to come in, work his tail off, and push others to be really good as well. So um, I love the landing spot. Obviously, the fact that he's going to stay in Texas is really cool. Um, and I, I think in general, he's going to get plenty of opportunities to show what he can do at the next level, uh, which is going to be very, very nice for him, I think. Yep, uh, so he goes off the board first. That was expected. I mentioned that in pretty much every article that he was going to be the first off the board, and he was. Uh, but then after that, it was a little bit of a surprise, uh, quite frankly. I thought that we might be waiting until late round two uh, and probably even round three to hear the next pick. Uh, but there were a couple of surprises that were coming up uh, over the next three picks and uh, certainly going to uh, the next one, number 50 overall, the New England Patriots trade up and select Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver. And, um, yeah, wow, uh, to the Patriots, uh, gets the phone call with Bill Belichick. And, you know, again, he benefited from the fact that there was a lot of wide receiver fervor and a lot of trading up for wide receivers and grabbing wide receivers. And so uh, with all, you know, the top, top guys pretty much plucked away by – you know, the end of the first round, practically, uh, Tyquan was one of that next wave. And uh, the Patriots reach up and grab him. Makes me feel great. You know, if it had been the Browns or the Jets, I would have thought, well, he'll be out of the league in two years. But uh, this actually gives me some hope for him. Uh, and a lot of these other guys landing on quality teams. I mean, the fact that they traded up for Tyquan is so cool. Uh, he's a top 50 pick, which is massive. I mean, that is, that is that's draft capital. And that means they really believe in you and they're spending draft capital to go up and get you. I think this is a perfect fit for him. It gives Mac Jones a deep threat in that offense. And I know they wanted Nelson Aguilar to be that for them. And now they got that with Tyquan. And I'm so excited for him. He's got an opportunity to go in there and be the wide receiver one in New England. I mean, that, that's not that's not that crazy of a take that he could be that guy. Um, 
after the pro day, I kind of felt like he was going to end up being a second or third round guy. But this is this is probably even more than I could have hoped. I mean, as things got closer to the draft, it felt like people were thinking, oh, he might be a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, but happy to see that a team took a shot on him. And I, I think he could be a very explosive playmaker for the Patriots. And I think he's going to find his way on the field very early, which again, you need opportunities and opportunities on a good team are even better. And that's what Taekwon's going to get. Uh, moving on, you had JT Woods, round three. Uh, so two second-round picks for the Bears. Round three, they'd have a couple more. And JT Woods at 79 overall goes to the L.A. Chargers. Um, they are a defensive-minded team, although, you know, obviously have a uh, you know hot young quarterback uh, that they uh, – can you know lean on who's the face of the franchise but really that's a defensive coach that's a defensive uh, team that's a secondary that's loaded up pretty nicely and uh, has Derwin James leading the way for them just signed uh, was a JC Jackson this offseason from the Patriots uh, you got Joey Bosa you got Khalil Mack uh, so it's a it's a pretty good situation for JT Woods. Yeah, you know what the Chargers are trying to do? They're trying to create sacks and they're trying to create turnovers. And JT Woods is going to fit into that turnover department really, really well for them. Uh, Derwin James is there, as you mentioned, so he's going to get to learn from a really, really good uh, safety at the NFL level. Um, this is so interesting. JT Woods got a second round grade early on in the draft process. And I think as time went on, a lot of people were thinking fourth or fifth round for him. Um, but that grade appeared to be true for him. I mean, pick 79, that's a great spot. But even better than that, he got a great landing spot with the Chargers, a really good team, a really good franchise, and one that's moving in the right direction. And now he gets to be a part of a young and upcoming roster that has a lot of plans for the future. Um, he's going to fit in seamlessly. And honestly, he's not going to be expected to be their best player, which is really awesome as well. He's just going to be a part of a really good team. And I, I think that's really nice for him. Moving on along, you had uh, Terrell Bernard. This was another surprise, uh, going a bit higher than expected. It was more of a fifth-round type of a guy. And, um, you know, that's not just looking at mock drafts. That, that was pretty much the general consensus. I don't think really too many people had him going third round, but uh, he did go uh, in the third round, 89th overall, just 10 picks after JT. Uh, and the craziest introduction probably from draft weekend, uh, NFL Network's Kyle Brandt. Obviously, a massive Bills fan with the big over-the-top, uh, you know, go Bills whole whole thing, yeah. uh, and eventually it was like guy yelling at screen, and it was it was entertaining, it was fine, but it was just like the moment for me was not about Kyle Brand, it was about that after all the junk that he said and yelled and screamed and the chicken wing eating and all that, he named Terrell Bernard, like so I was like caught up in what he was doing, and then all of a sudden here's like Terrell Bernard's name, and I was like, wait a second, what? Um, so it took a second to sink in, but uh, I was happy to be surprised. Terrell Bernard going to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they've got Vaughn Miller. Uh, they've got Ed Oliver uh, up on the front of their line. And they got a two-linebacker system. So it's uh, very interesting that he was a guy, and I didn't see this a whole lot, but he was a guy who pretty much immediately there was a lot of huh on the part of the team that drafted him in their media and fan bases because of the fact that they're more of a two-linebacker system. And there's not a starting spot right now. So maybe that's a good thing. But uh, I guess, you know, being a relatively high pick in the third round, maybe people expected them to, you know, draft a starter or something. That's not going to be the case with Terrell, but it does give him time to kind of find his way. 
And again, uh, like JT, he'll be surrounded by some pretty great players on defense. Yeah, and that two-linebacker system is going to fit Terrell perfectly, though. And I, I think that might have been a huge reason why they did end up drafting him. It is earlier than I expected by far. I, I think he was one of the guys who I think a lot of people just had kind of falling down their boards and uh, ends up in a third-round pick. That's awesome. Gives Baylor the most uh, top three-round picks in, in program history, it ties that record, um, which is really cool. And Terrell, I think this is a great fit again because he's going to a good team. And it's a, a team that's trying to get an identity on the defensive side. They have the offensive identity, but they need to instill a culture on the defense. And I think Terrell's going to go in there and be able to do that. Whether he gets to play early or not, you know, we'll see. I know he's not projected to be the starter by any means, but he could be a primary backup and actually get some playing time this year. So, again, I'm just happy he went so early because when you get that kind of draft capital, you know, spin on you, there's a much greater opportunity for you to stay in the league a lot longer. Well, I will, uh, I will agree with a lot of what you said there. I will disagree slightly on one thing. I mean, the Bills do have a pretty good defense. I think people forget the Chiefs game or think of the Chiefs game and go, "Oh, well, that's that's Buffalo. They're they're not able to stop anybody." But they're top four total defense last year, number one in some categories. So, they're. I think maybe the, the opinion uh, gets. Um, skewed because of that Chiefs game, you know, and how wild and crazy that was. You're like, oh, they got Josh Allen and they can score, but they can't stop anybody, you know what I mean? But Yeah, I think I think they also kind of looked at that Patriots game earlier in the year where they got ran over yeah. and decided like, hey, we just lost to a team that threw for nine yards. Maybe we <laughs> need to figure out a way to get more physical. And yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they're a good team. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, they can, everyone can improve, right? And so maybe that was an area they were like, hey, we need to get a little more physical for these games maybe later on especially when you're playing in the snow like they do very often. Yeah, well, he should be a nice piece. Uh, they got uh, good offense with Josh Allen, um, Stephon Diggs, and they've got a pretty stinking good defense, um, but they just and have had a couple of games that uh, were costly uh, where maybe they didn't perform up to task, but they're they're good, and Terrell's going to you know have to work to find playing time. Uh, that's another defensive-minded group that uh, – has a pretty sturdy head coach and I think will be very beneficial. Unlike, you know, some of these guys who were getting drafted five or six years ago who were going to just teams who had no direction, you know, no postseason hopes. Uh, that was a little bit of a difference uh, with uh, this year's group. Two more to go, almost done, but um, <laughs> it was that kind of weekend where just this was, this was record-breaking. Treston Ebner, round six, had to wait pretty long after Terrell Bernard was picked. Uh, three rounds to hear Tristan Ebner's name finally called to the Chicago Bears. Uh, they're not a very good team, uh, but they need help, and Tristan Ebner can provide that, and they're trying to figure out if Justin Fields is their quarterback or not, and so Tristan, I think, will be a good outlet for him, as I mentioned in my article. Uh, but, you know, not high expectations here, that's for sure. No, I. but I think with him, it, it's a great fit again because he's going to be able to contribute on special teams immediately, I think, for the Bears. And then you kind of move on from that and you go, okay, they got two running backs who are really good first and second down guys. But, you know, he could slide into that third down role. And I know... Tariq Cohen was kind of supposed to fit in that role, and he's no longer there. So now it, it looks like it could be Ebner's role if he's able to go in there and run away with it. Uh, I think people forget, you know, he had 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns receiving, just really crazy numbers for a running back. And I think he fits in really nicely, gives them an offensive weapon. And because they don't have a ton of talent on the roster offensively, it gives him a great shot at actually having an opportunity to play early in his career. 
Yeah, I think it's a good landing spot. She's not a very good team, but again, that might be beneficial for him. So uh, awesome to see Tristan go off the board. At that point, you kind of wondered if anybody else was going to go. Uh, you figured, you know, at least one guy probably. They weren't going to get, you know, four guys in the first or two days and then not get anybody on day three. Uh, but, you know, Terrell goes off the board. Uh, Tristan goes off the board. Uh, you know, at first on day two, and then uh, later on on day two, just two picks on that final day. Uh, Kalen Barnes reunites with Matt Rule and Phil Snow and Evan Cooper and all those guys in Carolina. Uh, round seven, pick 242. You know, you thought that, and a lot of people thought that the NFL Combine, just the pure athleticism that was confirmed, not that it was news to anybody that he was fast. If anybody just was learning that Kalen Barnes was fast at the combine and they did absolutely no research on him, that was basically the one thing people did know about him. What they questioned was uh, pretty much everything else. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that's what came into play here was the speed was great, but there's also a lot of other questions about just his development and where he is. Uh, so I don't think you could have asked for a better situation. I mean, you know, drafted higher, sure, but... Going to Carolina where those guys know him in and out and uh, know what his capabilities are, but also kind of know his mindset and things uh, of that nature, I think that should be beneficial. And, you know, he's, they're not going to throw him to the wolves and put him on an island by himself. Uh, he'll have some time to develop. Just hopefully he gets a bit of time to develop because, you know, there is a little bit of pressure building there in Carolina right now. Uh, so he gets to go join up with Bravion Roy and Sam Tecklenburg and those guys as well uh, for the time being. And uh, good for Kalen to hear his name called. Yeah, and this is kind of where you and I thought he was going to go initially in the draft process. I think we were like, okay, probably round six or seven or undrafted. That's yep. kind of where we were at. And then as time progressed after the combine and stuff in pro day, people were kind of talking about him as like a riser um, and that didn't happen. So he falls to around seven. Like you said, I mean, Carolina, they know who he is. They know what he can turn into. They know him better than anyone else. Um, so why not go there and give yourself an opportunity in that defense and with Phil Snow, you know, those guys, I think it'll be a nice fit for him just to kind of figure it out in the league with guys he's comfortable with. Yeah, I thought maybe somebody, I mean, you, you look at some of the guys getting drafted in like the last mm -hmm. couple of rounds and it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, like guard from North Dakota Central and you're like, this he's playing like Juco ball on his film and you're like, come on. So yeah, there's thoughts that, okay, would I rather have this guy who doesn't even look athletic uh, and played against like basically lower level high school competition or do I want the kid who can run the 4-2? You know what yeah. I mean? And that's where I think some of the thinking was coming in on Kalen. It's like, yeah, he's rough, underdeveloped a little bit, but you can't like work hard and get as fast as he is. Like you can work as hard as you want. You're never going to be as fast as Kalen Barnes. And no. so uh, I thought maybe somebody – and, and then some of the other draft analyst thoughts were, you know, that might tempt somebody to get him, you know, in the sixth round or something like that. But uh, regardless, he goes in the seventh. Uh, didn't know if he was going to get picked or not at that point. And so it was cool to see his name come off the board and to, to Carolina as well. And then I waited with bated breath to hear one more name called, and it was not. That was it. Uh, six picks for Baylor's NFL draft in 2021. And uh, there was a big shocker that didn't go uh, and get drafted, and that was Abram Smith when all was said and done. Uh, so he didn't get drafted, but he did kick off the undrafted free agent party as uh, there was you know, five more players that were all able to sign deals. But Abram was obviously the most high-profile one. Uh, Ten minutes you know, after the draft was over, ink was already drying basically on his agreement with the New Orleans Saints as an undrafted free agent. 
And uh, as we learned, uh, various reports out there, Abram getting a very nice payday uh, for signing undrafted, $222,000 guaranteed, uh, 207 guaranteed base salary, and a $15,000 signing bonus. Uh, so I would imagine that was a nice little boost to the, uh, the Smith family's finances and uh, will be uh, to come. And uh, I think he's got a chance to find some playing time there. Yeah, I do as well. I actually think this is one of those situations where you kind of prefer not getting drafted. <laughs> and that's yeah, just the facts. I think Kalen and Treston have bragging rights, but I would rather be the bank account of Abram Smith. Right, exactly. And I mean, you know, Ebner's landing spot is fine, but it's not like the Saints. I mean, you look at the Saints, Alvin Kamara might not even be able to play at the beginning of the year due to his legal situation. We'll see what happens there. And then Abram Smith might be the second running back on the depth chart. I mean, that's realistic. They, I think Tony Jones is the other running back there who I think Abram's going to beat out immediately. And then you have uh, Mark Ingram. And that's it. I mean, it's a great situation. I think he's going to make that roster. And I, I think of all the landing spots, this is one of the better ones. A team that really wants to run the ball. A team that he fits their scheme as that power back next to uh, Alvin Kamara, potentially, at some point. Um, and I think he wasn't drafted probably because of the injury history. Um, he does have a lengthy injury history during his time at Baylor. So that was probably a big reason for it. But overall, great landing spot, great money. Congrats to Abram Smith. I think he's got a great opportunity to make that team and make an impact. Yeah, I'd, I definitely think he's got a chance uh, to do a little something uh, with this opportunity, and uh, it is a good team, although Sean Payton no longer there, obviously. Uh, but he'll be playing with Jameis Winston and, and possibly Alvin Kamara, um, possibly Mark Ingram. We'll see. But uh, it is a you know a team that's uh, got an identity and, and you know has some solid foundation. So then there was Xavier Newman-Johnson. He goes to the Tennessee Titans, just kind of rifling through the rest of these. Uh, great for X. This didn't take long either, and uh, I'm happy for him that he got this opportunity. Yeah, good run-blocking spot for sure. You get to block for Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, I think it's just great for him to sign one of these deals, and the Titans, not a bad spot, not a bad landing spot. Raleigh Tejada, uh, I think at this point all were surprises, honestly, um, you know, I didn't think 11 guys were going to end up signing NFL deals, but they do bloat the rosters tremendously. So there's a lot of guys signed, and that's that's why we all need to celebrate this right now because, like, over the course of the next several weeks, guys will get cut, and hopefully it's not a lot of Baylor guys, but the rosters are bloated, and over the next three months or so, it's going to get whittled down tremendously. Uh, so this is when the, the work begins, but you got to have the opportunity. And so for these three guys, I was just thrilled to see them get opportunities. Uh, Raleigh Tejada with the Packers, Jaron McVay with the LA Rams, and then Drew Estrada was kind of a straggler. It's like the last one in the door thought it was all over. And then all of a sudden, boom, here's Drew Estrada signing a deal with the Houston Texans. So yeah, Tejada Packers, McVay Rams, and Estrada Texans. So he'll be uh, there with Jalen Petrie. Uh, but um, cool to see that for these guys. I mean, there wasn't a lot of talk about them uh, during the draft process. Uh, maybe things here and there. Um, but I also found it interesting that uh, Baylor's like, I think they had 13 guys at Pro Day. 11 of them ended up on rosters. The only two were Giancarlo Valentine and... Um, John Lovett. John Lovett's on a roster. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's he signed with... Um, uh, I forget right now, but he's he's on a roster. But there was one other player now that – Zeke Brown, he was the other one. It was Zeke Brown and Giancarlo Valentine were the only two uh, that did not end up on a roster. And that's not to single them out, obviously. Yeah. It's just 
it's actually bragging that there's only two guys out of a group of about 14 that did uh, did not um, end up getting picked up. But, uh, yeah, man, those last three, your, your thoughts on them? Yeah, Tejada, I, I mean, honestly, all three are great landing spots here. Really happy for Raleigh Tejada. I know it was a tough final season at Baylor, but he's a very good athlete, showed that at Pro Day. He's done some really nice things in his career at Baylor um, and is a guy who you go to the Packers and you go, the Packers don't have a lot of depth at cornerback, so maybe he makes a push uh, to be on that roster at some point. Jaron McVay, the Rams, I think it's just cool to go to a culture that just won a Super Bowl. That, that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for him to make the roster, I feel like, but we know hard worker guy who's going to work his tail off, bring in a culture, great speed. So who knows, maybe he continues to, uh, excel and overachieve and just be a guy who, who ends up making a roster. We'll see there. Drew Estrada with the Texans again, Texans, not a lot of wide receiving weapons. Um, so maybe at some point he's able to make an impact as well, even though he got injured on pro day, wasn't able to show everything, uh, that he has in his arsenal, uh, but a very good player during his time at Baylor. And so we'll see, I'm just happy for everyone and happy for all these guys that they were able to get an opportunity at the next level yeah pretty cool man i mean six draft picks again a record uh because rico gathers did not play football so that is a new record uh, for the football program and then five undrafted so 11 guys and yeah john lovett went to the carolina panthers ah, so yeah um that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And so, basically, all of Pro Day got picked up. Even the, the player who wasn't even on the team anymore, uh, who came back for Pro Day, got picked up as well. And John Lovett. So, incredible weekend for Baylor. A lot of bragging rights. A lot of graphics they can post from this. Second most in the entire Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma had a, a late, you know, like second day and third day runs to to end up with a couple more picks overall. But I'll, I'll take Baylor's class over their class. They had a couple second rounders, a couple third rounders, and uh, they were better at the top um, than, than the Sooners class was in my mind. Uh, but also, you know, uh, contributing heavily to the mark for the new Big 12 along with Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, you know, showing what having this new Big 12 may look like in the NFL draft. Sure, you've got extra teams, but guess what? You've been playing without the number of teams that everybody else has had this entire time. So for like the last four or five years, we've been talking about, well, the Big 10 had this many and the SEC. They've had four more teams the entire time. So uh, good for the Big 12 to kind of get back to equal numbers. And it translates to guess what? Being like the third best conference when it comes to draft picks, well over the Pac-12 and uh, even the ACC. So, uh, good stuff there. And um, how do you think this translates in terms of just the program using this, you know, recruiting? Uh, clearly, they're not the only ones using this for recruiting purposes, but uh, how do you think this works for Baylor? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, speaks to the development. It speaks to kind of what this program is all about, what they've been able to build with Dave Aranda, what they're continuing to try to build. And I mean, these guys had a ton of production at Baylor and almost all of it came when Dave Aranda was the head coach. And I, I think that that speaks volumes. No, it happened five years ago, Grayson. Come on. <laughs> it speaks to the to what he's built and, and his development and Vic Valoria getting these guys ready for the season. And, you know, when you look around at the guys that were drafted, they had great careers at Baylor and they were great people as well. Um, and, and I think that's really important, that person over player aspect. And I think that was a big reason why these guys got drafted. Like I said, I think Baylor's culture has changed a lot in the minds of the NFL. And I think you saw that on full display with the NFL draft. And I think for recruiting purposes, recruits are definitely going to see this and see that, hey, you know what? Baylor is a place that can get me to the NFL. 
And on the flip side of that, you know, Texas had zero draft picks, zero. And I think that speaks volumes to where the two programs are at. Um, now that will change next year for sure. But but I'm just saying for this specific class, I think it is a huge deal that Baylor can sell. You know, we can get you to the NFL. We can develop you into a player that NFL GMs love and want on their rosters. Yep, so there's a recap, and uh, we'll see if anybody else lands with the USFL or the XFL ultimately. And uh, obviously these guys have a long way in front of them. Um, you know, it's... Uh, cutthroat business man and you've already seen you know guys who are just watching the draft who are already on teams this past weekend already getting cut uh from their rosters like i saw a former a&m lineman kingsley kiki was cut yesterday so it's like you know all these new guys come in and it's not like they build a bunch more rooms and just keep expanding like the house stays the same size and so there's gonna be guys in and out uh, until they settle in that 53 but it's all about the opportunity here and i think for especially the guys in the second and third round uh, they've got some tremendous opportunities with some really good teams. So uh, awesome stuff, and uh, hopefully it keeps going. I think next year we'll see you know, a few more guys getting drafted, maybe not six, but uh, there should be a handful uh, close to it. Uh, one would think if uh, everything goes the way that it should be expected to. Uh, so elsewhere, outside of the draft, which has been like weeks in the making now at this point, uh, now that that has come and gone, uh, another big football note from last week, although it seems like it was about two months ago uh, at this stage, but uh, Baylor did make their you know decision on uh, the quarterback position. Blake Shapin is QB1. Uh, Gary Bohannon is in the transfer portal. And behind Blake Shapin, who will now refer to as QB1 on occasion, uh, you've got, uh, obviously, Kyron Drones, who now by default's the second-string quarterback, and you've got C.J. Rogers, and so they've got two scholarship quarterbacks at the moment uh, with Gary's departure. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll have questions and stuff at some point or certainly over the summer about, like, the depth and all that, but let's just stick with the decision for Blake um, by the coaches, and then Gary's, uh, I guess, leap into the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, it speaks volumes about uh, this Baylor coaching staff. You know, the best players are going to play, and it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how long the other guy's been playing. Uh, the guy that's going to give them the best chance to win games, that's going to be the guy, and it was Blake Shapin. And I think that this was the right decision. I think that if you do, you know, go back and look at kind of how explosive they were when Shapin was the quarterback, this makes a ton of sense. Um, and I, I think this is going to allow Baylor to kind of push that next ceiling and try to get into the college football playoff and raise that ceiling to the point where, hey, you know, they feel like they can go into a college football playoff and actually win games as well um, with him. And I think this offense will look more like the BYU offense did when Jeff Grimes was there with Zach Wilson at the helm. I think that Shapin can make those kind of throws and expand this offense uh, significantly. And while I love Gary and love what he did for the program, and I think Gary's a fine quarterback, uh, he does not have the upside that Shapin does. Now, on the flip side, Shapin's about uh, 195 pounds, and they have two backup quarterbacks with one of them being a walk-on. And they're very young, very inexperienced behind him. And they're going to have to figure out a way to get those guys developed quickly um, because it's really, really tough to imagine Shapin being able to stay completely healthy throughout an entire season. That just 
simply has not really been the case very much for Baylor um, in general at the quarterback position. So hopefully he's able to, but on the flip side, you know, Sean Bell and Jeff Grimes have to get those younger guys ready to go and make sure that if something does happen to Shapin, they have a guy that can come in and be reliable for them. So yeah, I mean, it's a massive decision, one that I think the staff knew when they made this decision, Gary was going to go to the transfer portal and their depth was going to be hurt immensely, which just, again, speaks volumes to the staff because they did it right before the transfer portal deadline. I mean, kudos to them. Uh, that couldn't have been an easy decision because they could have just dragged it out throughout the fall. Yeah, and I got to say, you know, I saw a lot of different, um, and I don't care too much about, you know, reaction or all of that. I mean, we welcome it, but I don't go seeking it out with every decision that's made and drown in it, basically. Um, but, you know, I do want to take like a little bit of the pulse. And I think most people were happy with, you know, the decision, you know, bummed for Gary, I think was the majority opinion. Everybody was, you know, sad for him. But I just like there some I have to I have to tell myself this sometimes I have to remind myself there's just some dumb people in the world and so I immediately saw you know and this was like one out of the 100 like congrats Blake and all sad for Gary but there were some people upset obviously because I guess Gary's their guy and hell it might have been a family member from a different account that's the other kind of you know annoying part about Twitter is the anonymity of it but you know how dare you I mean he's earned his spot well no he clearly didn't. I mean, I'm sorry, but this was a wide-open spring quarterback competition, and if your reasoning why you're upset about it is because Gary had already earned the starting spot or Gary was the de facto starter, no, that's not how it works, and at least that's not how it works at Baylor. It was an open quarterback competition this spring. There was no shortage of articles written about that, no shortage of conversations, and Blake won the competition, and to me... Um, I'm not surprised. If I thought that Blake wasn't as good as Gary or as capable of being as good as Gary, then I would say, like, man, this is – I don't know about this. But as soon as it was announced, I was like, okay, cool, boom, let's go. And you know what? If Gary had been named quarterback, okay, cool, boom, let's go. So either way, some guy's jumping in the portal. Either way, one side's going to be upset. But you don't just de-, de facto get to remain the starter simply because you're the oldest or you've been around the longest or because you used to be at one point in time. That's just that's not how it works. Well, and you also have to remember there's a reason that they didn't decide to name him the starter going into spring football. You know there what I mean? You like go. He was the starter last year. Who was going to start the Sugar Bowl if Blake was healthy? That's why yeah, it annoys me that we a, never got to see that. I know. Yeah. And that's why the whole time when we didn't get to see that, I, if you remember, I kept mentioning, like, man, I wish we could have seen that because it would have been interesting to see For what sure. decision would have been made. But anyways. It, it would have been shaping because, well, according to everyone, Gary wasn't 100%. So it would have been shaping. Yeah. So that would have been the, the convenient excuse. But, but all but things equal. I, you're right. That's a yeah. great question. So I, I don't know. I think that at this point, though, um, this is the right decision. And this is the decision that had to be made. I think Shapin is their future right now at quarterback, and they're going to have to uh, build around him. And I think he gives them more options offensively, especially in the passing game. So, yes, I feel bad for Gary as well. But you have to remember, he wasn't promised the job going into spring. There is a reason. They literally kept saying it's an open quarterback competition, much like the year before, even though Gary was the starter throughout the year. Most teams, if you have a guy that you think is so cerebral, they would have just said, no, he's our guy. Like, he's he's our starting quarterback. They didn't do that. And so, left the door open for Shapin. Shapin flat out outplayed him in a major way in the spring game. And here you go. Blake Shapin's the guy. Gary's moving on. I know he took a visit to Missouri. He's probably going to take a couple other visits. Uh, I'm very curious where he ends up. Um, 
and I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he plays great wherever he does end up. I hope he goes to a place where he can start immediately as well. Um, and he still has two more years. Um, so I, I'm excited. For, yeah, he's still got this year and next year. So uh, I'm excited for him, and I, I think he's going to do some great things. But on the flip side, it does hurt Baylor depth-wise if Gary is not on the roster um, just because they're so young and inexperienced in general, not just behind shape, but in general they're young and inexperienced. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to get those guys ready very quickly and, and hopefully have an offense ready for each of them if something does happen to Shapen. Yeah, I mean, if Shaping goes down, then all hell's breaking loose. Um, that That is the concern. And we saw, like, the end of the Browse years when they were just playing with fire as far as quarterback depth. And none of it was in, not necessarily in their control, but – I'm not saying this is like Lynx Hawthorne level, but man, you're like a couple plays from it being that actually. So that's really a little are. bit of a concern. Yeah, and this is what happens when you put all your eggs in one basket, which they did with Austin Novosad. You know, they they decided we're not going to take a 2022 quarterback. We're just going to focus on 2023, and they didn't take one. And this is also the reason they took C.J. Rogers and said so many great things about him. Well, now he's got to step up to the plate and prove that he can be that third or second quarterback on this roster and give them truly three quarterbacks they feel comfortable about. So we'll see what happens. I think their future is still bright at the position because I do like drones and Rogers and I love Novosad. I think he's going to be fantastic as well. And now you got Shapen at the helm, which is uh, very good, I think. I think he's going to be very, very good for Baylor. Yeah, good luck to Gary. Uh, appreciate him for all he did over the years. But, I mean, it's just reality is, you know, somebody's got to win the job, somebody's got to lose the job, and then, you know, uh, it's a coin flip on whether or not that person who doesn't win it decides to go in the transfer portal. And so, in this case, it's Gary Bohannon, and uh, maybe he ends up at Missouri or wherever else. But uh, good luck to him, and thanks for the memories. Uh, but I do think that ultimately this is – it's a good move for Baylor. I felt good about it either way, honestly. So, I mean, I was I was cool with whatever decision we were going to hear about, but there is something that, um, you know, is very interesting about the, the shape and choice because Gary would have been the easy thing to do. It would have been easy to just say, yeah, we'll just roll with what we've got, not disrupt anything, not piss anybody off, and just, you know, go with what's what's easy. And uh, they didn't do that, and so I, I can appreciate that. I think that point is massive. Like, Shapin wasn't given this job. Shapin won this job and was clearly significantly better than Gary. You know what I mean? Like, that's my read on this, is that he didn't just win this narrowly. Like, I don't think you make that change if they're really, really close. I, I think this was literally, you know, Shapin's just better, and I think that speaks volumes to maybe his potential and his ceiling as well. I, I think that's something people should definitely read into. Yep, so uh, very interesting to have that wind down and, and become official, and uh, they did not waste much time at all. I thought it would be a few more days before we heard anything, and I was surprised, it, it you know, by the end that Blake was was uh, named. That wasn't surprising, but it did feel like it was Gary's to lose the entire time just with what was being said and and all that. I mean, it just it would have been easy, like I said, to just continue with what they were going with, but uh, they go with Blake, and uh, now we'll – We'll see uh, how this plays out, but uh, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch him play. All right, uh, elsewhere, uh, before we in the mailbag, um, what, men's tennis? Uh, yeah, one, one basketball note before we get to men's tennis. I mentioned uh, This was just a tweet that happened, I think, yesterday, but Matthew Meyer has 
essentially, if he does not go to the NFL draft, he will enter the transfer portal. I mean the NBA draft. NBA draft. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. My mind's all on the NFL right now. But yes, the NBA draft, he will enter the transfer portal. That's according to uh, Jonathan Giovanni yesterday. So I think that's big news, though, because it's something we've talked about a lot. We feel like there's one spot available. That spot is pretty much for Adam Flagler. Um, so yeah, if Matthew Meyer does not go to the NBA draft, then it does look like he'll be looking at options in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, there's no room. There's no room for him at Baylor. And, um, you know, we kind of, uh, I think on the show, maybe referred to this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, you know, good luck to him. Uh, great bear and all that. But, yeah, it just it's it got to a point where you saw with the recruiting here recently, they were they were restocking and didn't, weren't going to sit here and wait and, you know, play the whole game and do all that. I mean, they will with Adam Flagler. But I think with Matthew Meyer, it's just like, all right, let's we're gonna go ahead and move on and um you know good luck to you and and, and all that um that's just kind of my read on the situation so yeah good i mean that's that's his only options it's it's either stay pro or pretty much getting the transfer portal honestly um so good luck to him and, and good to have some official word on that so elsewhere men's tennis gets their national seating for the postseason tournament grace and know that uh, you've been all over that and uh the bears gonna go try and play for a national championship yeah, I'm really excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. They have an opportunity to win a national championship again. Uh, they just continue to be so competitive every year. But now let, let's see it in the postseason. Let's see a national championship, right? Not get to be the runner-up, go and win the whole thing. And I think if you look at their draw, uh, they got Abilene Christian in the first round. Then they'll face the winner of Tulsa and Texas A&M. I expect that to be Texas A&M, and I expect Baylor to win that um, fairly easily. And that would get them... Uh, to the what sweet 16 i guess um and if you look at their region i think i don't think they're really going to be tested until they get to tennessee tennessee's where um you know they're the number six team in the country they beat baylor earlier in the year um so i think that would be a, a major challenge but again i think baylor's a different team than they were early in the season so i feel like baylor can definitely make a run here get to the final four and then of course as a three seed in the final four you're going to get tested in every which way so um i think they're going to make a run here i think they're going to get to a final four and from there you know we're going to have to talk about it in, in later weeks when i can really preview their actual matchups but i will say after this first week and i think they're going to get out of the first week and unscathed well, it'd be awesome to see them go on a run. Um, man, if somebody could win a national title, that'd be pretty incredible. But uh, regardless, they're sitting in a good spot uh, as men's tennis uh, gets gets it all underway. And there's a lot of spring sports doing that right now. Um, you got um, A&T just having won their seventh consecutive uh, NCATA national championship. Um, a lot of other sports are kind of quiet at the moment, but you got tennis, you got uh, what the women Big 12 golf coming up. Uh, so you got Baylor baseball, Baylor baseball. I'm going to get to them in a second. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you handle most of that, but, um, yeah, it's just fun to kind of see the, uh, the spring sports winding down. We're going to be begging for them here in about a month and a half or so, but I mean, it's a very active weekend, especially with the, the NFL draft going on. But yeah, now men's tennis is going to be, uh, trying to play for a championship. So that'll be cool to see, uh, women's tennis in the tournament uh, as well. They're a 26 seed, uh, I believe, um, or they're, they're number 26 team, excuse me. Uh, but they've punched their ticket as well. So we'll kind of uh, recap and, and do all that with uh, those sports over the next few weeks as that sort of plays itself out. But yeah, uh, on the, the rest of the, the sports 
Uh, Spring-wise, you've got baseball. They won their series finale this past weekend, dropped the series, but uh, did get a win to avoid being swept by Texas Tech. Um, so what do you have to say about baseball? Because yeah, uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot to, to say yeah, uh, at the Im- moment. Yeah, an improvement after getting you know beaten, uh, outscored 46-9 to against Texas in a three-game series. They were able to regroup and only gave up 24 runs this weekend to Texas Tech. Um, you know, any improvement's good improvement. Winning a game against Tech is, you know, that that's nice, right? I mean, it, it's something. Man, we are really polishing this turn, aren't we? <laughs> hey, but I will tell you, they're 22 and 22, so they're 500 right now. Postseason chances come down to this. They have to win out, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> they have so to win out. Okay. have to win out um, in the regular season if they want any hope of making the postseason. Uh, and then if they lose any game in the regular season left, which includes a matchup against Oklahoma State, who just swept Texas, um, then they have to win the Big 12 tournament to make the postseason. And currently right now, they are not uh, a lock for the Big 12 tournament yet because Kansas is still... They're close. They're but, close. They're not yet. But though. Kansas is like at two wins in Big 12 play, like a couple wins yeah. away, basically. And Kansas State is who they play next. So if K-State sweeps Baylor, that things could get a little interesting in that regard. Um, overall, I mean, Baylor's, you know, it would take a miracle for them to make the postseason. I mean, it just is what it is. This season's been extremely disappointing. Um, and I'm just hoping they just play competitive, you know, just come out, beat Kansas State, like show a little bit of life. Um, but that might be a little bit too much to ask at this point. I just, I don't know what the direction of this team's going to be, um, going forward. I don't know if coach Rod is going to be the coach there still. I I don't. Um, and I, I feel like looking at this program and looking at how things have trended, it just feels like it might be time to move in a different direction. And the same thing we keep saying every year is this team just does not finish well in their seasons they just don't finish and uh, you know injuries happen well injuries are a part of your training staff and are a part of you know coaching you got to be able to to bring in guys that keep your guys healthy they haven't been able to do that and at the end of the year it just feels like they they don't play their best baseball at the end and that's a problem and that's been a problem with coach rod and it makes me it makes me sad because coach rod is such a great guy um, a great human being and this program looked like the trajectory was trending in such a great direction in 2019 it felt like there was a huge ceiling there that they could really make that next step i just i don't know that i see that anymore yeah you know i i I make a little crack there but i'm not trying to you know by any means like make fun of you know rodriguez or the team or anything like that but yeah they're just i mean it's it's just not there's nothing to talk about i mean like it means just losses and injuries basically uh each weekend um and i, and I don't mean there's nothing to talk about like i see all the the talk on the boards and stuff for you know like crash and those pe- you know people that that follow baseball very closely but um you know i'm i'm a big baseball fan but i just i don't have like, there's nothing jazzing me up about it you know like there's there's still a little there's a there's a juice missing. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And when you look around at a lot of other programs, and, and I know it's unfair for like every program to be held at like this super high standard of like everybody's winning championships, and like if you don't do that, you're on the outside looking in. It's not like that, but you know, be competitive, like fight. And and I know that they they've tried to compete and fight, and then things get in the way and stuff. But like, there's just. It's just kind of listless is, is a way to describe it. Well, like uh, West me. Virginia should not be better than you. 
That that's the school that I look at and go, yeah. how are yeah. they? They're nine and six in conference, twenty six and sixteen. They're going to make postseason. Even, I mean, Oklahoma has some history, but West Virginia is the one that I'm just like, what is going on? Baylor's five and thirteen in the Big Twelve. Uh, Kansas State's four and eleven, and then Kansas is three and twelve. So. I'm, it's close. I mean, they only have two games, two games of cushion right now from Kansas, and so I, it's going to be it's going to be a battle to try to make uh, make the Big Twelve tournament. And it really, this weekend is massive because K State is four and eleven. So if you can win two of these games, then you're you're pretty much a lock. Yeah, I mean, they, they should make the Big 12 tournament. If they don't make the Big 12 tournament, then that's really um, going off the rails, um, in my opinion. But we'll see what they do. Again, not trying to, you know, beat down on an already beaten down group, but there's just, again, there's just a lack of umph there uh, that's noticeable. And when you look around the rest of the country and you see how many people are enjoying baseball season just in the Big 12 alone, you know, it's like packed crowds in Austin and Lubbock and Stillwater and Fort Worth and you know everybody's kind of where they were just even a couple of years ago or better and I feel like yeah Baylor has regressed I don't think there's any denying that and uh, for whatever reasons those are you know I'm not rooting for a change necessarily at all um, you know I if it was football I'd have a much stronger opinion I'll be honest with you about it but uh, we'll see what happens there but yeah just um so I guess listless is the word I keep coming back to. There's not a lot of umph with that program right now, and there's a lot of umph around pretty much every other program. So how you change that and correct that, I, I'll leave that up to Mac Rhodes. Uh, but uh, what do you think? Uh, time to get in the mailbag now. Yeah, all let's right. Do it. Uh, Alpha Needle over under seven. The number of bears drafted in 2023. All right. So let, let's do this really quickly. I kind of I thought about it and I said under, but then I looked at the roster a little bit deeper. <laughs> Let me and tell I you, like, I looked at this. There's going to be like 20 dudes at Pro Day next year if yeah. it all stays equal. So here, here are my early predictions: Ben Sims, Squirrel, uh, Connor Galvin, uh, Khalil Keith. Um, uh, Jackson player, Gabe Hall, and that gets you to six. And I'm trying to think if there's anyone I'm missing. Um, I think those are the main, I mean, TJ Franklin could get drafted as well. If he leaves early, maybe a Grant Miller sneaks in there as well, but that's kind of my guy. So it's like right on that number. Um, I'm going to go with over. I'll just caution. I'll just say, you know, they're going to turn someone else into an NFL guy. I'll go with over. Uh, I haven't even thought about this at all. I'm not picking Craig Williams to be a draft pick, though. Okay. I just his size is. I just don't. I don't see it. But uh, Connor Galvin, uh, I think will get drafted. Ben Sims, I think will get drafted. Dylan Doyle, I think will oh, get yeah, drafted. Doyle. Al Walcott, I think will probably get drafted. Um, Khalil Keith and Khalil Keith. So there's five um, that I feel pretty strongly about. And then you know any number of. Guys, I mean, there's, I mean, literally, here's here's a list that I started writing the Wait, other day. Did we say Ika? No, because he's a junior yeah, next but year. I think he'll. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can wait for him to make that decision because well, we could do that with a lot of guys. Yeah, well, you know? squirrels in that group as well, but yeah. I, I think that they'll both get drafted. I, yeah, I think they will. Okay, well, I mean, let's just go with seniors because we can do the whole you yeah. know, dance on underclassmen. But you got Galvin, Gall, Keith, Miller, Jeffrey, Sims, Franklin, Maxwell, Obaniah, Player, Doyle, Jackson, Walcott, Milton, Morgan, Jackson, Power. I mean, those are – I said Jackson twice, but those are all just like seniors who have contributed or 
Um, you know, and I don't think like Chidi Obanaya is a big lock to get picked by any means like that. Oh. But I'm just saying, I was looking at a pro day next year, what that could look like. And that's 17 guys. And I'm not even looking at all of them. Or am I looking at underclassmen? So, um, point being, they're going to have a massive, you know, showing potentially next year. Whether that translates into a bunch of picks, I don't know. But the ones I rattled off a second ago, um, and then even a TJ Franklin, if you want to throw him in there, maybe later rounds. Like, yeah, I think they could match six, but to your question, over under seven, I'll say under uh, in terms of drafted. And you I'm, said what? I'm going over. Okay. I'm going seven or over. So I get seven as a push, I guess. <laughs> Joel Clack Groupie, call your shots. Assuming we now sit at 85, including uh, incoming enrollees, how many scholars, if any, get freed up in May through June because of retirements, and how does Aranda use them? Uh, does he take portal guys scholarship to Josh Cameron, for example? How does he do that? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think they'll end up with like maybe three. Three is three. I think could be the number that I'm looking at. Um, it all depends on how many they actually get freed up. So he's telling me to call my shot. So I'll say three. I think um, they take at least one guy from the portal, probably a wide receiver. Um, I think they put Josh Cameron on scholarship. And then I I almost think I would like for them to take a defensive lineman they feel like they could mold uh, for the future or a running back for next year. Uh, but I almost feel like they, they're getting to a point where they might, I mean, d depending on how they view C.J. Rogers, <laughs> there might be an option that they have to put him on scholarship just because they have so little depth there. So he might be another option, but I, I think they're going to focus on this year. So if they have three available, I think they take a transfer wide receiver, put Josh Cameron on scholarship, and then take a transfer, uh, whether it's a safety or a defensive lineman. So two transfers and then Josh Cameron. Thank you, Joel. Uh, Scotty B. Baylor King, top five quarterbacks in the Big 12 for next year, in your opinion, given that Blake Shapin is a starter for Baylor officially? It's a good question. Um, I think Spencer Sanders is in that group. I think Shapin is in that group. I think that Dylan Gabriel will be in that group. Um, I think he'll start at Oklahoma. Um, JT Daniels? Yeah, I'm, I'm. that's one where I'm... Ah, it, see, that's the other part. I think whoever the quarterback is at TCU will be in that group, and I think it'll be Chandler Morris, but it could be Max Duggan. Um, I think JT Daniels. So it's kind of hard to even do this because we don't even know who's who the, the starter. But I do think those three are pretty locked in. I think those three and then Quinn Ewers, uh, four, and then whoever. The fifth one, I'll just go off of my – I'll go with Chandler Morris just based on what I saw. So those are my top five. I swear you just named like seven dudes. Who did you just name? Yeah, so, so the four that I got – up there, no doubt in my mind, are Spencer Sanders, Blake Shapin, Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, and then the fifth one I'm struggling with, but I'm going to go with Chandler Morris. Okay. Uh, I'll go, and I have not looked at this at all. I mean, let's just go Shapin, Gabriel, um, JT Daniels. Uh, I, know, I can't even think of them in my head right now. Ewers. Um, yeah, but it's like, I'm so like, it's only if he was at West Virginia, we would not prop him up. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like he would not even get mentioned if he was at West Virginia, but man, we put him in like automatic top fives because he's at Texas and because yeah. he was a high profile. Recruit. I mean, we did that with JT Daniels too. Yeah, but I mean, done a lot. Dude, he played at the national championship, Georgia two years ago. He's done more than any freaking quarterback in the big 12 so far. I mean, more than Dylan Gabriel or more than Quinn Ewers or more than Blake Shapin or more than I Blake mean, Shapin won a big 12 bro, championship he, okay yeah you're right he won a game 
a game that mattered. JT You're right. sat on the bench and watched another guy win the championship. All right, man. There's a lot of JT Daniels revisionist history going on, man. Here, I mean, he, he started off. Play, he started yeah. at Georgia, Grayson. He started at the number one team in the country. So, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he's just by default the the best quarterback, but like. He's not some schlub. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not. And he's right there for me in my top, right there and on the verge And that's my point is that, yeah. but like we're questioning him, but Quinn Ewers, oh, automatic ding. He's I, just on there. Dylan Gabriel's like questionable yeah. injury history. Ding. He's automatically on there. Who's he play for? Oklahoma. If he played at West Virginia, we wouldn't mention him. That's for my sure. point. I think the Ewers thing has more to do with the talent around him than necessarily yes. just him. I think they have a lot of weapons, which yeah. helps. Yeah. They're, they're playing a fun game now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to spend money, huh? Well, good. Save up some of that to spend on the guys that you now have to prevent from getting poached. Right. That's a fun game, isn't it? Yeah. Weird how that works out. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we, I think we see ultimately the same thing mm -hmm. here. I'm just calling out the double standard of, like, the, the nod that a guy gets because of the logo. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just tired of seeing it. It's so blatantly obvious in some cases. And, like, I think Quinn Ewers is going to be really good, but he does get defaulted into, like, top five lists on a regular basis based on nothing but his high school ranking and his NIL. But outside of that, what have you seen him do in college yet? For sure. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Which I think is fascinating because we didn't even mention a guy who's actually probably a great fit for the offense he's going to is Adrian Martinez. Yes, because well, I can't think of him right I now. Know, but, but like we're not even like mentioning him, even sure. though I think he could be very solid because he's a veteran, goes to a great spot. So yeah, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks, but I think the top four for me are pretty locked in. Yeah, just I mean, the landing spot. Tech is going to have, you know, maybe Shuck uh, is pretty yeah. good or Baron Morton or whatever. Like, and so we don't even know who half the quarterbacks are just mm -hmm. yet. So it's kind of hard to answer, but you got a gist of it there. Stat Boy, what would be more surprising or impressive for Baylor football this season? Baylor wins at Iowa State, OU, and Texas Tech, or Baylor repeats as Big 12 champions, assuming Baylor does not achieve both? Ooh. Um, more more, okay, more surprising and impressive is winning a Big 12 championship. Is repeating, for sure, than just winning those three games? Oh, yeah. I don't think Iowa State and Texas Tech are going to be world beaters next year. I think if you really wanted to make it more interesting, you know, exchange those with winning at Texas and winning at BYU and at Oklahoma. Now that would be, that's more daunting than Iowa State and Texas Tech. I feel like Baylor should win those two games. The OU game, yeah, that's tough. But I, I think winning it, winning Big 12 champions, repeating, I think that would be more surprising and more impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, winning the Big 12 title is better than beat, winning three road games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's not even a close call to me. I mean, it would be awfully impressive to win in Ames and Norman and Lubbock, but uh you have to do all those things to win a Big 12 title. So a Big 12 title is the most impressive. Um, um, and I think that would probably, yeah, be the most surprising thing. Uh, Blantham 4, based on what you're seeing and hearing, how is Baylor doing in NIL? Are we keeping up, falling behind, or staying about in the same place relative to other schools? Um, I think staying in about the same place with the tier of schools that you'd expect Baylor to be around. I mean, they're not, they're not going to be a top 20 NIL school. They're, they're not there, but they're in that, you know, they're in the range where they can still be very competitive, get a couple guys here and there and, and compete in NIL without going out and buying players. Baylor's just not going to do that. They don't believe in that. Uh, Nineteen six. hopefully that answers your question, Blantham. I mean, they're, they're staying competitive, but I mean, they're not going to, be getting into races with Alabama and Texas. They're not going after like Jordan Addison and and they shouldn't. The, and they shouldn't. They should the stay house. twenty feet away from that 
yeah. that type of player. Um, that is a culture cancer. I don't care how good of a nice young man he's going to be. If you're just joining my team because somebody gave you $4 million, then you're, that's going to disrupt the culture. And a house. And, and whatever, and whatever. <laughs> like, that's going to disrupt the culture. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, if it's kind of the same across the board or something like that, but, th- I mean, they could really use him. They could absolutely really use him. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they need to start dumping, jumping in the deep end all that often. Uh, 1964, Bear, how does NIL work? Oh, no. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Ask the NCAA. They don't have an answer either. Um, I think uh, wait for Grayson and uh, Armstrong's spinoff podcast, all <laughs> NIL all the time. Um, <laughs> can anyone go to a college or high school player and say, if you will go to the college of my choice, I will give you money for your NIL to be installed on the item of my choice? This seems to be straight-up bribery or paying to go to a particular school. Please explain how it works. Oh, I mean, I'll explain how it works. USC just just basically dm text message called jordan addison the blitnikoff through award winner. a like random coach probably yeah. or an agent or, the, but usc didn't technically contact yeah. him which the, is bull the best player the best wide receiver in the nation usc essentially bribed to leave pittsburgh and to go to usc so that's where we're at right now yeah. with NIL. And then Texas players are trying to get poached. Texas is doing the same thing to others. Every school basically now is under complete, they're, all eyes are on all of their players because schools just have no limits now. They can go in and try to send out an offer to a guy, You know, try to be discreet about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the Wild West. So I, I can't even tell you how it works because I don't think the NCAA knows how it works. I don't think schools know how it works. I think it is literally the Wild West right now and it is literally free agency that's what it is yeah it's uh it's bonkers and you know anytime you try to raise any reservations over just the process of it you'll get screamed at by probably a college football national reporter mm-hmm. who they will tell you it's all because well the kids are just getting what they deserved all this time it's because those guys are making way more money in NIL as far as like the attention and all yeah. that that's why they love it so much. Some will say, and some will be accurate, and like, oh, no, it's good for the players. And that's true. But people like Bud Elliott and like a lot of the national people, because he was really just kind of being a D to people uh, who were asking NIL questions mm-hmm. the other day. And I started reading some of his answers, and this isn't an attack on him by any means, but he's just one of many people who are like, they'll shout you down or call you stupid if you question it at all. Yeah. And it's like... No, I think there's rooms to, room to question. Nobody's questioning guys getting paid. I think everybody's on board, but there's a disingenuous way that college football people, some people are covering this, that if you raise any objection, you're somehow anti-student athlete, you're anti-players getting money, you're probably racist, you know, like all these things. And it's like, no, I just want there to be a rule that Jordan Addison can't just get a phone call from USC and get offered $5 million to leave his team. While he's not in the portal. While he's not in the portal. Like, that's all anybody wants, you morons. But you know that, and you don't want to phrase it that way because then it exposes how stupid this all is um, while great for the players. And so they, you know, no, you're saying that you don't want Jordan Addison to get paid and that Jordan Addison shouldn't belong in a free market. And Jordan Addison, no, I'm just saying that Jordan Addison shouldn't be getting contacted. That's what I'm saying. If he's in the portal, that's one thing. So there's a lot of just, there's a lot of, um, I don't even know, there's a lot of disingenuous arguments going on, I feel like. And there's a lot of, uh, gosh, what is that word? Um, 
straw man arguments going on. There's a lot of that going on as well. But I, I think most people, they just want some set of rules to kind of reel this in to where some of this, you know, Miami and USC in particular stuff isn't happening on a regular basis. And I think Texas fans with the whole uh, Jade Barron thing with Oregon and um, now Xavier Worthy and USC, <laughs> you think a few of them have changed their tune about it as well and yeah. think there probably should be some guidelines? That's all anybody wants, not not players getting paid. Ryan Allen Long, now that spring football is done, when does the Bearcats get to go on vacation? This Cal Ripken streak of podcasts can't go on forever. Uh, brother, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, you know, I, I am going to need a day at some point just to break up the Tuesdays, but uh, – yeah, we'll get that in soon. Yeah, he's gonna. I'm gonna have to do a solo pod. No, I'm kidding. I we will take a break. We we, we need to. I mean, probably at some point, just for sanity. Yeah, you know? we will eventually. But right now, we just we keep it going every single week. We've done it. We're on a very nice streak. right Yeah, now. but I'm not trying to be Cal Ripken. I you know if the streak ends, the streak ends. Um, at some point, and I'm not keeping track of it. But you know, once spring sports winds down, you might see me bolt for a week or something. <laughs> um, but thank you, Ryan. He also asked, uh, wanted your professional opinion on this outkick.com interviewed a scout about taekwon here's what they said i like his tape if he was playing against the sec competition because they actually challenge guys over there but he played in the big 12 and when he gets to the nfl he'll understand it's not the big 12 anymore i don't know if he'll be able to get off the line of scrimmage his rookie year and by his second year once he learns to get off then dbs will redirect with relative ease what i'm saying is he will never be where mac jones expects him to be fair assessment i feel like this is a scout who didn't watch much big 12 football and thinks this is an all offense league still yeah i feel like this is a scout who didn't watch the uh, sugar bowl because if gary was healthier if blake shapen was playing in that game taekwon was probably gonna have two touchdowns and like 120 yards why does anybody even I, exist outside of the sec right what, what's the point point? and this guy's acting like every school in the sec is throwing out the georgia and bama corners like dude vanderbilt kentucky like there are schools that don't play defense that aren't good at defense there so that's my first problem with this comment is he's lumps in the whole sec instead of saying you know okay if he had to play bama or georgia what would he have done okay that's a different argument but saying the whole sec that is just wild to me when you know baylor played a really tough schedule last year including whooping up on an sec team as well now as far as his other comments i understand what he's saying i i do think there are some areas that taekwon's gonna have to grow at the next level um especially with the redirect stuff and getting open and tight coverage i understand all that but the one thing he is for sure going to be able to do is take the top off the defense and that's exactly why the patriots drafted him that's why he's a great fit for them because when you're able to expand a defense vertically it allows you to run the ball more effectively which is exactly what they want to do with damian harris and ramondre stevens which makes him a very nice fit for the Patriots. I don't know what Taekwon's success in the NFL is going to be, and I do worry a little bit about just his size and strength, but Bill Belichick picked him and moved up to get him, and that's all I need to say about that. Um, take any opinion from any website, outkick or otherwise, from any random NFL scout, and fair enough to them. But Bill Belichick traded up to get him, so I feel like he can probably play a little bit and that if he couldn't, get off the line against SEC defensive backs, uh, then maybe that's something the greatest head coach in pro football history would probably have thought of. But we'll see. Maybe this guy's right. Packard, any cursory scan of the potential 23 roster can be concerning as it relates to our experience on the, our possible inexperience on the D-line. Uh, I know you and Tra I guess he's talking to you, Grayson. Yeah. I know you and Travis touched on it within the weekly chat this week, but I'd love to hear you guys go deeper about what you think Aranda will realistically be able to do to keep program momentum... 
Okay, I'm confused here. What are we talking about? He's talking about the defensive line. But okay. I don't know why program momentum. Yeah, um, this position is one of the hardest to recruit for smaller programs like ours, and with two to three projected to go into the NFL, that could make... Okay, so we're talking about next year, next year? Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm, like, inexperienced well, on the D-line. What are you talking he's, about? He's talking about, like, the future of the defensive gotcha. line potentially I was, I'm being thinking about next, you know, next football season, so we're talking no. about 2023. Yeah. Okay. Because they could lose a lot. I mean, if you look up and down the roster, there are some guys that could go, you know, if Ika Lee, Leaves, Gabe Hall, if he leaves, you know, you lose Maxwell and Player and Cheedy. I mean, yeah, they, they yeah. could take a huge hit on the defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's an area they have to address uh, in the 2023 class, and I expect them to. I think that's an area where uh, I've talked about it kind of ad nauseum that defensive line, cornerbacks, those are areas they really have to address. And on the defensive line, you know, they have a lot of offers out there. You're talking about DK Kalu, uh, Brendan Bett out of Colleen. Um, you know, they just offered Jaden Cofield, the uh, Texas Tech commit as well. Uh, Samu uh, Tom and Pepe out of Atascacita. He's another big nose tackle. So basically, my whole point is they have to be able to go out and land guys in the 2023 class. They're going to have to take at least one, maybe two nose tackles. They're going to have to take uh, probably two guys they feel like can fit in. Um, at defensive tackle or defensive end as well. So they have a lot of work to do there in this 2023 class, which is important, but I also think they're going to have to hit the transfer portal a little bit for defensive linemen once again. Um, and I think you put that all together. I trust Dave Rand to, to be able to build that. I mean, you got to remember, they also have Devontae Tizino and Trey Emery about to enroll as well this summer. So they got options, uh, but I will say they will have to supplement with the transfer portal, and I'm not too worried about them keeping program momentum going. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, Matt, sorry I uh, misunderstood your question. I was like, thin D-line. I got a 2023. That's what threw me off. Uh, thanks for the question. Bear Coog, do you think tightening the one-time transfer without penalty by making players sit out a season if they decide to transfer? That's not going to happen. Not gonna um, happen. They've already yeah. waived the one-time. I mean, they already had the one-time transfer rule. So, um, you know, I, I don't even need to read the rest of your question, honestly. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, but do you think it will curb players from getting poached from the schools they're at? No. Uh, if this happens, do you think it's fair to the student-athletes? No, but it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, that's that's just we're, – we're definitely not going back to where we're going to start penalizing these guys all of a sudden. If anything, they just got to find walls to build around whatever it is now and keep it within that framework, I guess. Uh, Follow-up, and this is a weird perspective. Why do student-athletes who are already enrolled at the university and playing get to slide in the DMs of their best buddies across the U.S. <laughs> saying they will get X, Y, Z, NIL deal if they were to come to their university? Well, they don't get to, but they, they're friends, so they're yeah. going to do that. I mean, it, you can't restrict that. I mean, they, you can do whatever you want. You're not supposed to, but it's going to happen. That, that just is, that's one of those it is what it is type things. Why do they? Because there's no rules against it, really. I yeah. mean, that's, that's why. And why do they? Because uh, Lincoln Riley tells him to so that he can get the roundabout hookup to talk to the guy without saying he really talked to the guy. <laughs> And, you know, that's that's why. It's all just to keep it as sleazy as possible and as back door as possible. Even though it's out in the wide open, they're just still keeping it behind closed doors for some reason. It's, it's on the up and up. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I mean, why – because there's nothing there's nothing stopping it that's that's the simplest answer um my perspective that student athlete doing the contacting is representing their university as far as i know the university can't set up the nil deals themselves but that's what's happening through the student athlete not sure why they can't be held accountable for this 
but they are held accountable when they post unacceptable things on social media or say something bad and oppress her and then get kicked off the team. But how are you going to moderate that? Yeah, like, they, you mean, you can't, like, you can't, you, if, you know, if a guy says something in a presser, he's saying that on camera, but if a guy says something in his DMs, like, how do I know that he said that in his DMs? Like, that's where the problem is. Yeah, unless his buddy exposes him, which why, why would which that, that person? You no. could create a whole other set of problems. I mean, yeah, it's just... It's uh, it's wild to wrap your head around, but it's really simple when you think about it. Like, yeah, if you're if you're Lincoln Riley, you just get Caleb Williams to DM what great receiver you want, get him talking. Hey, three million dollars in NIL would that get you at least perk up a little bit? Oh yeah, you are interested. Hey, so and so, go tell Coach Riley. I mean, uh, Coach uh, so and so, you know, yeah. and just play dumb. And there's nothing that can be proven really. And even if it was Caleb Williams reaching out, Caleb Williams is free to do that. Now your question, he's, he's a part of the university. Yeah, he technically should be, but um, welcome to the world of no rules. Basically, that's that's what everybody's that's what everybody's wringing their hands about. Not the money, like college football reporters try to keep telling you and try to keep painting that picture. It's not the money. It's all this stuff we're talking about right here. But they will tell you, oh, well, you just hate the players are getting money. No, I hate that Caleb Williams or Lincoln Riley or whatever are going and poaching guys through DMs on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. And and I'm like 99% of college football fans. But no, it's, no you still don't like people getting money. <laughs> no. Uh, don't don't like the, the chaos of it. So to answer your question, I mean, anything you want to add to that? No, no. I, I'm just I'm sick of it already. We're I about am too. to get another NIL question. I am it's too. just like I just hate where this has gone and the NCAA is a complete joke for I mean, they always have been, but to not have any rules in place when you just knew this was gonna happen you is know what? just baffling. That's why we gotta celebrate that Baylor team last year more than probably any other ever, because that may be like the last wave of teams that we see that are actually like a team that went through adversity and stuck it out and stuck together. I was thinking about yeah. that yesterday. Because if this was the NIL world, JT Woods is getting $500,000 from Texas to join them after, like, they go two and seven. Yeah. You know, uh, Jalen Petrie's getting $2 million offers to go to A&M after they go two and seven. Like, that's what would have been happening. Uh, but just out in the free and clear, and there would have been no restraints to it. So, But that's the even worse part. Pitt went, won, like, 11 games Yeah, last they're good, year. but his quarterback's gone now. It's all so about now him. Gonna be it's all about yeah, him. It's just... all about him. I, I didn't think about this with NIL. I th and I don't know. I, I need to. I need to. We I got to go here, but I need to workshop this some more. But I feel like NIL, just the simple fact of a player earning money for their name, image, likeness, like totally again, fine with that. College football, national media. But to me, it seems like the the NIL that we're seeing, it's basically just social media come to life. Is kind of it's it's a it's a I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's all about just the money and the chaos the and attention. the movement and the attention yeah. and the me and the Instagram pics and the, all the BS that really doesn't matter. Although, you know, money can change lives and all that. I get that. But there is, it's, this is why my social media, it needs work. I know. But like when you look on social media, especially like Instagram, do you see like mostly real stuff? No, you see a bunch of funhouse mirrors and people with like filters and all sorts of BS, like some car that's their neighbors, but they're acting like, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, but it's all about just the image, right? And I feel like there's a lot of people and media is almost encouraging this of money's all that matters and just money, 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 money. And then, you know, all those priceless life lessons that some of these Baylor players learned over the years about adversity and sacrifice and teammates and love and all those things, 
Those don't mean anything. That's garbage. You can't put a penny price on that. Screw life lessons, man. Give me the money. That's where we are now. Yeah. That's where we are now. And um, That's... I just think it's really sad, honestly, that you've got grown-ass adults, and I don't know if I've ever cussed on this podcast before, <laughs> so I'm sorry, but you've got grown adults who are encouraging people to be selfish and money-absorbed and self-absorbed and social media-absorbed and, and acting like that's the most important thing versus, you know, maybe not getting your way and having to overcome that and then learning and becoming a better person. But you know what? A college degree doesn't mean spit. Uh, life lessons don't mean spit. Adversity, garbage, fighting. Oh, how wussy. Uh, toughness. Oh, please just give me the money. Does that make sense? And it's got to be it's got to be more more of a mix than it is because right now it's just it's just one line it's, it's and so one you see line. what i'm yeah, saying with like I the do. social media comparison i, I can yeah. see it yeah i can see it and, and i mean social media is very attention seeking and it's tough and, and I, I nil is going to be a tough situation to grapple with for a while now and now we're seeing it just way worse than what we thought it was going to be even um and i mean when guys are getting recruited from rosters that <laughs> yeah that's kind of the final straw honestly but hey good for them getting their paper and all that it's just the manner in which it's being done oh it's always been done that way so why does it have to be done that way because it's always been done that way wait a second aren't you guys the ones saying that just because it's always been done a certain way doesn't mean it has to be that way uh, but but i guess just i don't know it's it's something we, everybody's been talking about and we could continue talking about and we'll get a question about it here how soon do you guys think until changes will be made to nil did you see where oregon tried to steal jade baron from texas i believe i saw where they offered him 200k to transfer Jeez, um yeah i did see that and uh i don't know i don't think changes are going to be made because the ncaa hasn't done anything hasn't said anything they have no leadership and so we're where we're at and we're gonna have to deal with it for the foreseeable future um and that stinks as far as the jade baron thing that's pretty crazy two hundred thousand dollars but hey, you know, these teams are going to go try to find guys that they feel like can help them win and offer them as many NIL deals as possible. And that's what Oregon was doing. Yep. Uh, Doc Crowell, what Baylor athlete has the highest NIL that you're aware of? Or if you don't want to name names, could you give a money figure? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to name names. I don't even know if I should name the money figure. Probably not. Honest. Yeah, I don't think I should. Um, but there's a very big one. There's a very big one. And that's about all I can say about it. Um, but that's not in general how Baylor's been handling NIL. And you also have to remember NIL is not, you know, taking place through the schools. So keep that in mind as well. But yeah, Baylor has a through very big one. Through the schools. Right, right, yeah. right. But sure. Baylor does have a very big one. Um, but outside of that one that I'm thinking of, I think they're all relatively not that, they're not like massive or crazy based on what I've heard but outside of the one. Yeah, I mean, and the one you could argue, um, and not trying to be like, we know something you don't know or anything like yeah. that, but... Um, I don't feel like I should... I, uh, I definitely won't say the person. I, I don't feel like I should say the money either, though. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, if you don't want to, that's fine. It's not my not my info, but um, I'll say that, like, you know, if somebody comes in and they get a good NIL deal, I mean, again, good for them, and I do think that somebody in a lot of these programs at Baylor can still get the experience of, you know, life lessons and things like that and make money at the same time. And it can all work really well and be a good relationship. And I think there's probably most of them that are like that. Um, so my little rant a second ago is mostly based on just the, the numbskulls from typically uh, some area of Miami, Florida or Los Angeles, California, 
who just, I mean, why would they know any better? They've probably been this way their whole lives and don't understand that life lessons are what they are and that it's not just all about money. But, man, that's just been really gross to watch. Of Just people totally being dismissive of everything about the college experience and the life experience. And that's none of it added up compares to just fake money, basically. I just I think that's really a sad indictment of where uh, our adults are headed, you know, in terms of their their way of thinking. And, and that's my generation, too. But like, I, I, I hate it um, that that's such the focus. I think NIL is very interesting. We're clearly not going to ever stop talking about it. And yes, there's some tweaks that need to be made. And yes, it's great that players are getting money. But just some of it is just it's just kind of gross and um, and unnecessary too, but um, it is what it is. So got to find a way to deal with it, just like anything else that's uh, that changes over time. So thanks to everybody that uh, had questions this week. It was a great week for Baylor with the draft, and uh, you know some of the spring sports like A and T, and obviously men's tennis, women's tennis got postseasons coming up, etc. So anything before we go, Grayson? No, I mean just another really good week, great draft. I mean that that's just I couldn't be happier for the guys that got drafted. Just really an amazing honor to go to the NFL, and we're going to be covering them for a long time now. And it's going to be a lot of fun to track their careers, and uh, now just kind of looking forward to seeing what men's tennis does, and then the end of the season. I mean, it, school's almost out, and um, it's it's almost summer, and which is kind of a a barren time for us but also a fun time to kind of talk more about the season and kind of what we see from other Big 12 teams. So I'm very curious how teams progress uh, leading up to the fall. Yeah, uh, should be fun to see this close out and then whatever other news, you know, occurs between now and then, whether it's football recruiting or basketball recruiting, although men and women both have kind of filled up quickly uh, and retooling their roster. So we'll see how all that uh, plays out as well. A lot to still see and Watch unfold, but a lot uh, has been going on. And so hopefully we've covered all the bases for you. I uh, do appreciate the questions once again and always appreciate you listening. Thanks to Armstrong Sims and Jack McKenzie behind the scenes. And uh, also for Grayson Grunhafer, I'm Craig Smoke. This has been the Bearcast on Sikkim365.com.